0: Conversations on the margins with Lynn Ruan, a go Loud original.
1: The following episode contains strong language, mentions of drug use, violence and suicide. Discretion is advised. Yo. Chapter two, listen. Does he know you're in here?
2: I told him I was getting locked up, but I haven't talked to him since. So dunno, probably does.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was sitting in the block, selling rock I had a couple of grand in my ankle sock This putter came in and looked strung out Pull out a bag, stuck a gun in me mouth
1: Conversations on the Margins is a Go loud original podcast This episode is called Fatherhood and Family
5: And my mother, Alice, yeah, yeah <laughs> She loves me that much, she says a prayer to that St Jude for hopeless causes all the time. <laughs> but she, she does love me, like, you know what I
6: mean? Put cuffs on me and drove away I was angry now, I have to say
1: yo Being a parent inside the prison system is is difficult. What strikes me most about this episode is the love that every contributor speaks about their children and about their loved ones. For many people listening to the podcast they may have never been inside a prison or visited a prison and for some maybe not even seen the prison from the outside walls they may be nowhere geographically near a prison to kind of have a real picture of of what it's like to kind of tap back into that feeling maybe of walking into a prison for the first time I can imagine it's quite intimidating so it is grey, they're big grey institutions, you know, they're blunt, obviously high security, they're high walls. And I think you have to imagine then walking into Wheatfield Prison, which is literally plunked in the middle of housing estates. Sometimes, there's something about even when you haven't done something wrong, entering a prison and feeling like you've done something wrong, or you're about to be caught doing something wrong, and you do hear the rattle of the keys that are attached to people's belt loops and it is an unusual place to have to go into but after you go through the the security at no point are you left on your own, at no point do you not have a guard with you and you go through several security gates to try to get to the point that you're going to And how have you managed now to move to a place where you're not numbing with um, substance Um, talk me through a little bit of that journey, will you? Well,
5: when I got clean for the first time, it was was this first time I was actually after living, not existing, like, you know, and I realised there's more to this, like, yeah, right, we all, everyone has problems and stuff like that, but when I was clean, I could deal with the problems. Like, I'm always good at fixing everyone else's problems by my own, you know, but when you're clean, I can work on fixing my own. And then I had the kids and stuff like that. My kids, like, they, they mean a lot, like, the kids keep get you through an awful lot of stuff that you don't realise, are like, you know. Not too long before I come back in this time, I was really depressed, and I had a daughter that dances, and she could actually tell when I wasn't in a, a good, like, state of mind. She'd dance in front of me for two hours without stopping, like, genuinely, and that was just to get my head going. And I remember one day we were driving in the car, head was wrecked. I just went on the drive. She was with me. And she popped up. She was six at the time. And she started talking about the DeLorean because she knew I was a mechanic. So she must have Googled cars or wherever it was. And that was what came up, obviously, was the DeLorean, the Back to the Future car. She talked to me for that for about half an hour. And it was only when I got myself back to normal, I was like, where is she actually getting this from? And then I was like, right, well, she's doing a whole research on me. And she googled obviously cars, what mechanic, daddy, or whatever, you know what I mean? And like a six year old to talk about DeLorean and what she knew and didn't know about it was crazy. But that's the the likes of that is what picks you up and keeps you going when you know you have good, strong people around you and that listen to you and basically sort to understand you, take your weirdness and they roll with your craziness, but yet they can stop you at your madness, like you know what I mean? That's that's where I get it because. I am a dreamer, and I will always dream. But I need something there to ground me, and the kids is what grounds you. Then say, right, you can dream, but you can't do so much. You have kids here and stuff like that. Come back to yourself again. You know what I mean?
1: I think what's really beautiful in what you've just said is that your your young child recognizes, I suppose, when you need support or you need an intervention. And the fact that she would go away and find something to relate, to bring you back into the now.
5: Back to now, yeah.
1: Which is, that is really, that's pretty special, isn't
5: it? Oh, it's special because like even, like, she's that clever, like with me being dyslexic and I used to do homework with her and stuff like that and it was all wrong when I was doing it. But she went and she used to slag me, but then she asked a teacher without me knowing what is dyslexic. And she came home from school one day with a load of stuff, and dyslexic and she sat down with me then to help me like well daddy does this and daddy does that now this girl will read a book it'll take me six months to read a book she'll do it in a day like you know what I mean but it's when you realize you have that connection with the two kids like you know what I mean with my son my son's my best mate my daughter's the carer like you know that's the way it works with the two of them And then that's what makes you drive and go forward and like what makes me drive and go forward and want to do better than myself, like for them two alone. Mm.
1: So, how does it feel then um, to be, um, I suppose, such obviously a don't and caring father that has such a positive relationship with his children and then for that to be interrupted um, in the prison system?
5: Oh, it kills me. Like, as I say, the uncle is my buddy so I'm missing my buddy and then I'm missing the little one then that was like the little carer for me it's it's hard we, like I haven't hugged my kids since 19 2019 like, and, like the young fella's gone through his 16th he's going to be 18th now next month the little one will be 16 and he'll be 21 by the time I go i are missing the best parts of their life for being in here like you know and that's when it hits home that's when you feel like you're in jail and you're lonely, like when you're missing the most important parts of their life, like, you know, which what I missed out because I was either locked or I was over at my younger ages, so I don't want them to, you know what I mean, go through sort of like what I did, but we can only do our best for them and stay strong while we're in here, like, because the stronger we are for it, with them in here, the stronger they are outside, like, you know? It's it is hard. It's very hard, like, especially when with the little girl and all. The son, he just does his own thing. Like you know, he's at that age now. But the little one, like you know, you do miss our cuddles and stuff often. Like it's, I'm not going to say I don't I do like, You know, I and mean, that's that's the hard part. Like you know, you mentioned
1: hard. you mentioned loneliness. There, how do how does someone manage loneliness? When what is like? Because lots of people have felt lonely in their lifetimes, but is there something different about being lonely and then not being able to actually do anything about that loneliness? Especially when you know there's cuddles at home. <laughs> yeah,
5: I suppose, like, yeah, it's it's hard, as I say, birthdays, Christmas and special occasions, that's when loneliness kicks in really hard and you can't go out onto the landing and talk to the lads or I'm feeling a little bit lonely, yet the crack is 90, but like when that door closes, that's, that's a different thing altogether because you're thinking... You're going through everything in your head, shoulda, coulda, woulda and stuff like that. And then that's when the depression and the anxiety, everything all starts kicking back in. But that's when where I, before I used to turn and go mad on drugs and stuff like that, now I'm turning to my mindfulness where I like, and that's what settles me and sort of brings me back like, you know.
1: Talk me through, um, Anto, what it's like then for you when anxiety or loneliness or whatever the trigger is, starts to kind of, um, you can feel it. Talk me through a little bit then about how you manage that in terms of your mindfulness. What is the process? Well, the first process
5: is the head does be going 100 miles an hour and then it's right, like, Anto, snap over here, there's there's not much I can do I'm in here, like, you know, so there's a technique with the mindfulness and stuff and you sit there, it's only half an hour, you can do 10 minutes or 5 minutes, but when the head is going, like, you feel the heart going, the chest going, feels like everything's going to burst down my chest they'll say, right now, Anto, switch off here. And I'll go into the doing the breathing technique, sit on the chair, and if I'm actually that far gone, I'll listen to the music. So then, that comes with the moment, i so listen to that because that'll ground me quicker than getting the thoughts out of my own head. You know, but once you get that the thoughts out of your head, and as in, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is just be me and be there for them. Like that's when everything starts settling down. But that's not to say it doesn't come back two seconds later. It does. But you just I just had to try and manage it with doing a bit of mindfulness and going out and doing your bit of gym and keeping yourself busy because if you don't well if I don't, my head goes my head'll go like you know. And you can be lonely sitting in a room full of a thousand people and you can still be lonely like you know. It's you could have your two kids on your lap and still be lonely as well at the same time, but we suppose we just got to be grateful for what we have, and that the, the two kids are alive, they're healthy, and that they're, they're getting on with life, and they're, they're doing well with themselves. Like you know,
1: mm. are they having a different experience of childhood than you? Do you think so? It sounds like your your youngest girl is very smart. First of all, like but like you obviously had your struggles in school, and then with with, with um addiction and stuff do you feel that they're having a a better experience of life than you than you might have grown up
5: yeah i gave them everything that i thought i didn't have and that they need and one of them is i'll never end the phone call without saying love you like Mm. you know and but years ago that doesn't happen we only tell each other you love each other in the family if there's a funeral or something Mm. and then that's it it's not heard of again but i constantly will say to them and i'll hug them like, the young seven 17, i will still tell him I love him. He's in college with his mates, I'd say he's probably hating me saying it because he has to say it back to me, but I still say it, you know. And it's just little things like that that I do in my head that I'm hoping that make them feel loved and cared for as well, like, you know. Like, I know it's only three words, but I think it's a lot coming from your parents, like, you know. Do you
1: feel loved?
5: I do when it comes to my kids and stuff, yeah, and... My mother, like, yeah, like, she loves me that much. She says a prayer to that St. Jude for hopeless causes all the time. <laughs> but she, she does love me, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're all, they're naive to the addiction and the things and stuff like that. That's not their era, like, you know. But, like, they, they love me in their own way as much as they like to give me a kick into the air sometimes. But they do, they're there for me every time I need them. And the kids and all is there for me. I feel loved by the kids as well, you know.
4: When I was about 15, uh, I started to well, live across the road from a pub. I only live about three metres away from the side door of a pub from my house. I live in the town, like, and uh, my dad used to always play pool in there, and my bigger brother would always keep going in for games, and any time i go over to the door, my dad would say, like, he's, gonna, he's fucking up for you, like, he doesn't leave, you're going to have to leave. And So I started practising myself in a leisure centre down the road, and I ended up getting better, and my dad noticed me then. Like, as good as soccer and all, but he st- quit, I quit soccer because he started playing pool. I just wanted him to see me... You know, and to bond with me like he did with my bigger brother. Mm-hmm. So then I started practising, playing pool, and he seen it was good. And I started playing down the country, like in different tournaments all around Ireland. Started playing well, and I, pro- I progressed from there. I, started, I played for Loud, and then I won the All-Irelands with the Loud team. he hadn't won it in 20 years or something. We won the final frame, so that was a big confidence booster for me. And then I got on the Ireland team, and I played in the World Championships over in Blackpool in the Imperial Hotel in 2007. And I played in the European Championships in Malta. And then when he left out I went to play. he started playing pitch and put with me family and then I wanted to play pitch and pull. So then I got good at pitch and pull and I got on the loud team and I, I came toward the All Orleans and won the loud them on it and I gave it all up then because he went on heroin.
1: I think uh, it's mad when when you do I I know you said earlier on you were reading my book, right? But what you'll read when you <laughs> when you get through it is all the sports I picked up yeah. just to um be around other people. So like I mastered football and soccer because my dad was a uh, my dad was an amazing dad but he his relationship with my brother was very centered around football so i was determined like and start playing football
4: what is it what is it about the father like you always want them the attention like you always want my dad went to watch me playing a football match and i was a good soccer player like i'm not trying to make myself out to be something that i'm not like i was very good at soccer and the, he wouldn't really come to many matches. Like he was always lying in the chair, dying, a hangover or something. And I'd be dragging him up off to come to my matches. He promised me the night before, and all the trophies. I, like the one match he went to see me playing, like one in probably twenty matches he went to see me playing over the five six years that I was playing football. I played the best game in my life. Like it was just, it's just mad that when, when someone means so much to, that's on the sideline watching you. You put everything you have into it. You know, and that's why I'll I'll always be there for my kid now and. It's um,
1: recognition, isn't it? Yeah. Like, and you just want to make them proud.
4: Yeah, well, if he had to be in all them games, he wouldn't be sitting here right now. He'd be over in England with fucking playing with Ronaldo or something.
1: <laughs> That's a big thing, actually, isn't it? It's like, um, there's one thing being good at something, Yeah. but there's another thing then being supported and encouraged in it. And that gives you an extra something to keep going, doesn't it?
4: Yeah. 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 Um,
1: but then, did, did he did he play pool professionally or was it just that he was playing it with, with the brother in the No, nah, my
4: dad was brilliant, but he brilliant. was more of a pool shark. Mm. Uh, a pub shark, sorry. So he wouldn't be down around uh, playing really in tournaments. Any time he played in a tournament was just to get out, get out of the house from the mother and bring us away and not be an excuse for him to go on a drink, you know. But like, he'd enter us into the tournaments as well. Like, Why that good? weren't My big brother was brilliant as well. Like, everything I played, he played as well. Yeah. And he was brilliant. I was always trying to out him it was a bit of com- competition like his kids and that and uh, I, th- I guess we just grew up when he w- he came to j- my dad went to jail Then when I was 17 I was doing my leaving cert and I kind of just walked in filled out the forms just to get a couple of points for filling out the your name and address or whatever you get like 15 points or something and I filled that out and answered one or two questions and away way the door as soon as the half an hour was up I was gone because I hadn't got my dad uh, to tell me you have to do the fucking the leaving cert felt a bit pointless did it yeah, given your
1: situation
4: yeah. and him being in prison and all like uh it was tough. Like I had nobody there really to to guide, tar- to guide me. So I went my own way, and the part I chose was the wrong one, and I'm paying for it now. You can wait. You can wait for me. My mistakes. I'm in a place where I belong. I'm ashamed. Yet the taste of defeat is the same as it was at the start.
1: Paul, who you hear from quite a bit throughout a number of the episodes, is somebody that I feel is on a very important part of their journey of reflection and life. Kind of looks to the ground a little bit when you're chatting with him. He is so open to really exploring the best and the worst parts of himself. And he does it while sitting in the chair in front of you, still nervous, still unsure, kind of questioning the world. But when he then relaxes and he looks, looks at you straight in the eyes, you can just see um, this desire and want to do good and just be a positive contribution to the world. What helped you make the decision then, in in your stint this time in prison, to engage then in that exploration, I suppose, of your own feelings and healing?
3: I have kids myself, and I don't want them to go through what I went through. Like, mm-hmm. and now I'm in prison, but they I've been selfish and left my kids behind. Like, and now I never just taught myself. Like, I actually thought they were better without me. Like, be honest, like, they're gonna get out of prison and all the time at me ex girlfriend. Like, they, I want to see the fucking kids when I wanted to, but can't do that, like, you know what I mean? Like, when I put them under pressure, my ex girlfriend under pressure, like, oh, I dropped the kids, oh, I want to see the kids and all. Like, she, I wanted it when I wanted it, but, she, like, she's a great mother, I give her that, like, she's she done everything for the kids, like, but then I got locked up and then I just, oh, the kids are better off without me and all, like, and then I was taunting my kid and he just says to me, um, oh, when are you coming home? I just, bumped, oh, what am I gonna what do I say here? Like, just hung up the phone, went down to the chief and said, Chief, I need help. I went. I was on a medical, unit a course, and I haven't looked back since. That was five years ago. Mm. Haven't took drugs since.
1: That's 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 a, a big achievement, isn't it? And um, what was your drug use like up I until
3: only, that? I took Thai cannabis tablets, drinking huge in the prison system. The prison I was in at the time, I was allowed to kind of do what I wanted in the prison as well. But I was expecting the help to come to me, but if it wasn't coming to me. But they asked me, kid, to asked me when I was coming home. I just that was the the light light bulb hit me. What are you being selfish for the kids want you so went down to the chief as I says and went to the medical unit done a course and just went on to another prison and haven't moved back since week. Like.
1: because you want to be able to answer that question about I when want you're coming I home out to my kids yeah yeah how old are your kids now
3: 16
1: and
3: 15. yeah obviously i thought about them i loved them to bits i'd give me life for them and that goes without say but I just thought you were better off with of them because i knew the mother that mother was the great mother i so will give her that Ten out of ten she's a brilliant mother like she's done everything for the kids like. But I just tired I better off it down me, they have me in their life and all that I mean, money. Uh, looking at myself as being a scumbag, so being tall, been ground up through police. they give you a second name. Oh you, you always put a little, you know, little scumbag like or I pulled in a different area. Get pulled in a different area with the place where you're from, you tell them where you're from. Oh, I'll go back there, you little scumbag. So I was put down on my life before the, I even knew who myself was, before they knew who I was, you know what I mean?
1: So how can you really feel like you're a good thing for your children if the world has already told you a million times yeah. that you're all these other things? Without mean, even
3: talking to my kids about it, like it, was just, it just felt felt like they didn't want to live. They were better off with them. to be honest. Like, mm. That's being honest with you, like I say, here and say that. Like, I mean.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like you've really identified with the fact that you've been labelled a lot throughout your life. Um, feeling like
3: a bad father. I was a bad father, like I was. I wasn't there for my kids growing up, like, 100. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you. I wasn't there. I just thought I could see the kids when I wanted to see them. Like, put the mother's family through hell and all. Like, Like, like it's, it's, that's all I can do. Like, I How do you just, make peace with that? They had them down good in prison, and someone they give me a chance to talk to me own and I talked to my own and and just. Build it up there, me young man, and just haven't looked back. I haven't touched a drug in prison the last five years. To be honest, and I did not think it. it, 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 it just so uh, now' I, I'm a young man now, I know what I can do now myself. You know what I mean? Mm. So, I help the oh, sorry, I help the prison now. I do all of those prevention costs, drug relapse prevention costs. I run them myself through the Red Cross. I'm a listener on the prison service as well, like, so. I was always saying, I'm not going to them. I'm not going to this. I wouldn't be going to them, but. They're there to help you, like, that's the good thing about what's in the prison system now, like, to help you, like, that people can listen to you.
1: What does it feel like to be listened to?
3: Good, like, because I've never been listened to all my life, like, and probably didn't want to go to them and think, like, oh, well, people never came to give me that give me that choice, like, you know what I mean? Mm. And like, I kind of realised I have to go looking for this myself because no one's coming in me, like, mm. I'm just sick of prison, I'm just sick of my life, like, of... As I said, I went back like I was putting a home as eleven years of age. But he, the courts, or whatever, whoever, whoever was in charge to say, yeah, put him in prison. But now the mother and father gets put in prison for us, So why was it so different when I was a kid? Like just I don't understand it. Like, mm. to be honest. Like, I mean.
1: So you sp- you spoke a little bit about, um, I suppose, how hard it is. Um, like, so you're having to build that trust back up. Say with your with your ex partner and the children and that kind of stuff and. What type of impact now that you've kind of gone on that journey where you realise that first of all they're not better off without you, um you know and um what do you think the impact is on families when their loved ones are in prison for so long? Like, what do you think? W- what happens with them? You know?
3: Well, obviously, like it's going to football matches and all the family that dad's and the ma's there and the ma's in prison like the maz not there they are getting slagged by that and then the dads not in prison like or the dads in prison like. When I hear good things about my kids, like I sit there and say, oh, fucks, "I'd love them to be in there, like for them." You know, what I mean, it's hard, like thinking back, like at things he's doing, football, dancing, whatever they do, like. But it's hard, it's hard like thinking about things he achieved. But well, obviously, I'm glad he achieved them. But I'd love to be there for them, like. Mm. But as I said, I was just being selfish, thought about drugs myself, robbing cars, didn't give a fuck about my kids. To back then, being honest with you, like.
1: But did you feel you didn't give a fuck about yourself?
3: Yeah, didn't. I have no love for myself. Actually, didn't love myself though. Just here I am, I'm part of the little scumbag, and that's just the way I was. Like,
1: do you love yourself now?
3: Yeah, definitely. I wake up every morning like pr- proudly, like you know
1: When we mean? think about what families go through when loved ones are in prison, because it is a whole family that gets impacted, not you know just the in- individual. The victims
3: as well, like that. You, you cause trouble on as well, like, you know Yeah,
1: mean? you know. There's so many layers, and so it reaches out so far. But just I keep that images in my head at, at the minute. Actually, and it makes me quite sad to think about. Is that like. The, the thing that you think about is you know the football match like and being able to look to the sideline and I seeing someone
3: the there as far as a goal has me to celebrate with him and all like I love football with a passion and I know how much, it means to him, how much it means to him and how much it means to me but I'm just looking for the chance of people to trust in me now like and it's, that's all I want I've, I've been just judged all my life like I don't want anymore like I want to be a chance to, to, to understand, like understand big if I go for the job and I get out, me, me coming in my conviction, they're gonna come back to haunt me. But give me a chance to who I am today, Like, Don't be judging me on my past, like I mean. Mm. As I said, I was the eleven year old boy that was putting a home where I was labelled from eleven years of age, like I mean.
1: Yeah. So tell me about your plans when you do go home.
3: Be honest, I'm nervous of seeing my kids, meet my kids, I talk to my kids, talk to my uncle every day, talking to me young here and there and out, building a relationship with her be honest, I'm so nervous about meeting them proper. But as just will really be the proudest day of my life as well, you know what I mean? Mm. I just want to be there for them and tell them I'm sorry for everything I've done, like, that they should be so proud of that mother for what she done to them, you know what I mean? Mm. For being there and our family, whole family as well, you know what I mean? And for my own family to be, like, I obviously in prison, like, I was kind of introducing lies and I just wouldn't ring home to me. mom, wouldn't ring home to me and my family. I just think they'd better off without me. I just kept breathing that into my head, taking drugs. Didn't wanna see them, didn't wanna to talk to them. But a brilliant family behind me that wants me to go, what i mean? And that's all I asked for, they you come know, I in. A chance at life again.
1: Yeah, a chance at life again. I think um I think everyone deserves a chance a at life, life again when chance, they step yeah. into it, you know. I really do have that vision of um of you as a as a young person and just kind of um sense of let down in terms of of, you know how you were treated as a 10 11 12 year old and in, and in the school system if you were to go back in this moment to who you were then what would what would you tell them because ultimately that young child got you to where you are today and um, even with the bad shit but ultimately it's that young child that has you sitting here talking to me that has you sitting in them rooms doing everything that you need to do and um, what would you say to him
3: sorry for what you went through like be honest like i'm sorry like sorry for like obviously i don't know when i went through but regret yeah, all the bad things i've done but back then i did not know better that's what it's all i knew like growing up like you know what i mean i just hope someday i can help someone else stop them coming in trouble or prison when i grow so you're just, just sorry yeah definitely man yeah that's all i can say like you know what i mean like looking back at it now like through tough times like going through like. Don't understand if I went to a home I was in there with people for not going to school as well, but I was putting in a lot of criminals like, where else was it gonna come out like, you know I mean? mm. I was set a criminal before I even started breaking the law. So I was putting a home. Like.
1: Mm. And what's what's to to finish on a on a on a more positive, what's the one thing you value about yourself now?
3: Being drug free off drugs and having kids back in my life and my family. That's me go that's all I wanna live. I want a chance to live the rest of my life. Prove that I'm not a mistake.
1: Prove <laughs> so that you're not a mistake.
3: Not a mistake. I live my life, like you know what I mean. I live the rest of life and prove people wrong, like you know what I mean. I was set out on the path to make mistakes and they, they sent me up the fair before I even knew what I was doing.
4: Every day now, every night now, all of my life now has been about you.
1: You know, we can all imagine and know the fact that we are all someone's child. And many of the lads speak of the connection to family and parents as the thing that keeps them going in life while in prison. While many of the men have been in prison many times, some have also spent decades of their lives behind those walls. And in a sense, the commitment from the family to serve that time with their loved one doesn't go unnoticed. Prison, I think it's very much a, a family affair. I can be in myself. Got to be
0: sure, I got to believe.
1: What can I say about Marty? I don't think this podcast could have happened as smoothly as it did without Marty. From the moment we went into the school, he was just a team player and he really encouraged the lads. He's actually the oldest of the the interviewees. He is he's in his 50s when he was sitting on front of me in the in the podcast room. I think he's quite he's quite relaxed his clothes and his runners are still, you know, in with the age of the men that are in their 30s and 40s. There's definitely you no know, ageing into like non-modern clothes. He's really cool. And there's not much more to say about Marty other than he's a confident man. You've been doing your certs in here, doing your bits of education, your training, you've been doing mentorship, you've been coaching, all that type of stuff. What, what do you think awaits for you now when you leave here what's, what's your plans? I'm
6: just got to say point to goodness but I'm not going to say that now
1: <laughs> uh, but, but to me I
6: just want to go home and just chill out with the kids have no plans after that I just sit there and have a hat with them and just relax you know yeah, and like, yeah, whatever comes comes, I'll just i see how it goes up there you know I wouldn't have bad plans ahead because anchor change, you know it's just it's a day by day type of thing and then, uh, if, if an opportunity pops up, pops up and have a look at you them, know? or uh, spend time with the kids and the grandkids.
1: What type of stuff will you do with the kids? What stuff have you missed doing with them?
6: Uh, being out to the parks and things like that, you know. Uh, I used to train the young ones in the gyms, which is some laugh. Uh, train the young ones as well, but just little things, you know. Uh, the young ones had to get in. She's had to get into the mindfulness because I was telling her about it. She's only fourteen, so. She does that now, they go down to the beach in Port Marnie, her and the missus, there's a big group of women, and you do the mindfulness. She brings a picture of me, and she has her little crystals all there. out. and she, she does it for me. So that brought me a lot closer to her so then. Then I said to her, i tell you what, I'll do the mindfulness at half nine tonight, you'll do yours at half nine. And I said, and I, I'll be in the room with you. So wow. she does her half nine, I do her half nine, and we know.
1: That's how you connect?
6: Yeah. it might be there, but I'm there. She knows I'm there. But I was the lawyer when she told me she brings a picture. I bring a picture with my dad. You know. So I was a lawyer, yeah.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. So will you go to Port Manic Beach now? Oh yeah.
6: The, first, the last time I got locked up when I got out, that's the first place I went. Me and Horace, so we walked down the beach. Just to have a look, you know.
1: Not with your runners in your hands sketching from the guards. <laughs> <laughs> I was a no walk
6: down this time.
1: Fair <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else thinking all mad romantic about barefoot walks yeah. in the, on the beach. <laughs> and you're just thinking of getting chased.
6: <laughs> with the keystone cuffs, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard, yeah. Either that or the house. I like house, you I know, house a lovely place to go. Do you like this, the beach? Yeah, we go up the beach and we go up to, up to the, um, at the back of the mountains there, at the back of Deer uh, Park. There's a little trail there, we go up there, got lots of kids up there. you get to the top there and look out, we just stand and chill out, you know, bring a little lunch with, you know. And then on the way back down, then you kind of go to uh, the little kind of forest place. We pick the little berries and all. So little things like that. I think that's where it reminds me of. Always still, always. I was about know, to think of it. I was picking them on them adventures. Yeah, that's was still money. Yeah. 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 So you're uh,
1: going to have more adventures.
6: Oh, without a doubt. But with without the children. Doubt, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I won't get w- chased for. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> it should be your mission to never have to get chased again, no. so you can I'm stay at home. your knee
6: now, now you won't be alone. you <laughs> catch me.
1: So your biggest goal when you go home, I think, is really nice because I think people think that everyone has to have these big ideas, but actually, you're just looking forward to the simple and connection and family yeah, and mindfulness, important. and that's.
6: That's very achievable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just not, not mad. Just to be there, you know. Just to make up for a bit of lost time, you know. Yeah. Do you feel like you've lost time? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you you kind of feel it when you hear that, like, the time when you hear the, the children are sick or well, someone has to go to the hospital. That's when you feel it. Not really any any time else, you know. um kind of half glad I'm in prison because... Uh, I think she was going through the change of life so she <laughs> said she was going to kill me anyway, so I'm safe in here <laughs> and I said so how long does that go on for she goes about 10 years I ain't going in I'd have been in here she'd on a motor chance
1: How important is humour to prison life?
6: It's great you have to have the banter oh jeez without that it's gone like, just slagging on this stick going and, you know it's great but it's good banter you know, it's not like slagging or jeering you don't you want know, that's like a form of bullying you don't have to you just have a good crack, like you know. If you get a good group of lads, it stick's sliding. And, and if you get sticky, I gotta get it for a week, so you have to take it. You know what I mean? So you can twist it real quick, you know. But well, it's good, cool, it's good banter, yeah.
1: And and if there is that kind of jeering or or that kind of what you're saying, like sometimes uh, banter can not be banter yeah. it can be bullying, like would 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 older lads look out for some of the youngers that might yeah. be a little bit isolated in that sense. Yeah,
6: well that's what well, we, we, we try and pick up on the youngers coming in and just say, look at into the gym, you know. I come out to the football pitch. I go to school. Get away in the Other end of it, you know. Uh, That's are only youngsters, you know. He's just looking at only bleeding kids. Because I think what what happened now that sending them from all down to here from a children's prison which would you commit the crime? They would have been children anyway. Straight into an Alice prison. They just sending them like, in, into the into the deep end, you know. With no protection. So, and no one's going to look after him except the, the prisoners. But if you get a wrong prisoner looking after him, then you're up to destroy for the rest of his life. But you get to life, I suppose, so he treat them like your own kids. Because they yeah, are kids. I know they're, like eight, they're not kids, but to me they're kids, you know. So you see that, that fresh face and saying what the fuck? They're probably nervous and shitting, you know. He just say, look, it's not that bad. Get to the gym. You know, start training. Uh, go up to the school. Do little bits and pieces, you know, and just to let the other lads know, leave him alone, you know, he's only a child, you know. But uh, that's only us, there's only certain few of us that can do that. I say in other places, it's probably complete opposite that they drag the and down and you're doing this, you're doing that, you know, where are you from, where are you from, and all that bollocks, you know. So we, it's, it's up to the prison system to put them into these units or whatever. Make sure he he doesn't go down onto that landing. Make sure he goes up there and make sure he does this. So, uh, that's out of our hands, you know? That's up to the prison where they want to put them. Like, they can put them onto a bad landing and then you know, it's never gonna, he's gone. He's, you just write him off, that's the end of it. Whenever he gets involved there, that's it, he's finished. He's probably on the good landing.
1: It's a little bit like what you said when growing up where it was us and them. Yeah, we've even somewhat created us and them within our own communities, haven't we, in a sense, because we're going like you can go this way or you can go that way, but that's not even um, outside of you know communities that you're talking about that you'd be ran out of because they were seen as you know more privileged or yeah. something. But that even within our own communities, we begin to separate. Of
6: course we do. Yeah. 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 It's like boys and fellas flock together. Like, you see it all the time, you know? Like you can see it on the land. It's like, fellas from my area over there, that, that area over there, that area over there. See, that country over here, Romain, is powerless. Everyone sticks together. It's like it's, It happens everywhere, you know? But, uh It's like a sport a football team. That fan, that fan. It's always, Yeah, you know, you see the, the little, uh, The boys. Yeah, yeah. Some are good, some are bad, you know? But, uh You can't... You can't help that, you know? That's always going to be, like... And if you're from one area and you come into say you end up at Cork prison and there's four fellas from Dublin you're going to f- go to the Dublin fellas and that's the way it is Stick to and what you know Stick to what you know but what's happening at the prison now I think is that there's that many foreign people coming into prison that I think there was uh, I never realised. the first time I was in prison uh, there was one English man in the prison and he was on protection because he was English that's the way it was in, in, in the, in the early, uh, late 80s, 90s now, when I came to prison, there's hundreds of foreign pri- fellas in the prisons, but they're all, they're all like flocking together onto one landing. I want, uh, another kind of way. You won't see them separate too much. But uh, if there's that many them coming in, there's no room for them. I'm not saying, uh, uh, but there's, there's actually no room. They haven't built any extra prisons anywhere. Mm. So I think there was a, a, one of the officers I was reading, there was over a thousand foreign prisoners. He it was, over oh, well, two years ago, in the oldest prison system. That's this whole prison. There's not even a thousand people in this prison. So, they had an extra thousand foreign prisoners in the prison system, and yet there's, no, there's nowhere built for them. Or nowhere to kite for them. That's without the, the extra prisoners that come in that were Irish. So, uh, the, the, it's mad how crowded. Like
1: yeah, so. so it's really overcrowded. Yeah, so where are where they squeezing them in? But So, we're coming to an end, right? So, yeah. um... To kind of go right back to the beginning, just in terms of, I suppose, um, we started out about kind of just chatting about your leadership in 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 the groups and the role I've never that you seen play. That. You've seen that. We've seen, seen that, me. but what I and that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, um, what do you appreciate about yourself? Do you,
6: I'll go back to the. D- but I see my grandkids and my kids, I've they're, 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 uh, been part of them and they're here because of me. I've achieved something in life. I've given them life. I've given them grandkids life. That's all I could ever ask for. See the smiles on their faces, you know? Nothing else. It's brilliant. See their oh, mini-meas running around. It's deadly. <laughs> Can't ask for any more. You know, they're going to grow up. You know, and uh, they're going to have kids. It's like a little bloodline, so it's great.
1: Yeah, so the thing you appreciate most is your role within the family.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just happy for them, that they're living and they're smiling.
1: And soon you'll be sitting on the beach smiling with them.
6: Please guys yeah. 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 Brilliant, Brilliant. thank you. <laughs> 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 I'll have to keep this sketch for the garden.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So so you said, you mentioned uh, that your dad is not in yeah. the home since you were about one. Did you maintain about a one, relationship yeah. with him? or
2: No, uh, just the day before, about two years ago, I got in contact with him. Went over and I met, him. met him for about 10 minutes. And he just sort of burnt off. And I was like, oh yeah, sounds, yeah. I was thinking, like, if that was me now and I hadn't seen my kid in 20 fucking seven years, like, or at least invite him around to the gaff, go for something eat with him or something so I was thinking, ah oh, no, my mum was right, really sort I always thought it was my mum just turning me off him. But when I went over seeing that side I was thinking, ah, oh, he's a fucking easy. So know that way. So I was glad that I did. cause um my mum always said to me, I right, like, have oh, no problem with you going over to your but like he is an arsehole, like and I was thinking, you're only saying that, you just don't want me to go over. But then eventually I said, like, Fuck, I'll well, go over and just see what he's like. And he was, he was an asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> she was right. <laughs> did yeah. you tell us she was right? Yeah, I told her she was right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you
1: mind us talking a little bit about that? No, um, so I'm thinking of you going to the other school um, yeah. where kids had a bit more of a traditional route through education. So I'm kind of imagining that their family households might have been a bit more traditional as well yeah. in of course, terms of yeah. having mum and dad. At oh, home. yeah, they
2: all had the mummy and dad. Yeah. yeah,
1: what did that have any sort of impact or did you notice? Even when you were younger, yeah,
2: because like there was about three or four of us in the class, and we all used to go to a class called Rainbows. Okay, so after school, and that Bernardos.
1: was one by Bernardo's, was it?
2: I think so. Rainbows, yeah, I used to go and that was for all people that had no mark, like either no know man, no that,
1: like a grief thing, wasn't it? So, sort of, like yeah. loss,
2: yeah. But we used to just go and play board games or anything, you know what I mean? just sitting there after school, like but yeah, I did that and all. I was just I always knew something wasn't right, like but I didn't know any different. It was only when I grew up and I was. Like I was, I was with a girl for six years, and I seen how, how she had like a family to get me, like a man dad, did fucking everything for her, and I was thinking no oh, way. I wonder what it would have been like to to have that in my life. But in a way, I'm sort of glad because I would have turned out probably an arsehole, don't you? Know I mean?
1: But say, imagine there's a world where he's not an arsehole. What what would, uh, what do you think could have been a bit different if you had a had not within the home necessarily, mm, like, yeah. but a, a, a relationship with a with a with a male role I model. Don't know, like,
2: I've always thought about I wonder what it would have been like but um, I don't know
1: it's hard to imagine it's when hard it's not imagine
2: there when it's not there yeah like I see people having relationships with their sons and all and I say I'd love that so I mean, I'd love to have a dad like that but I don't so what can you do
1: does it make you want to think that like you'll be a dad like oh,
2: 100%, that 100% yeah oh which what like my dad
1: when no in the other direction oh like...
2: completely in the other direction yeah yeah definitely yeah oh, I'd never be like that yeah don't know how many you can do that Madness. How
1: how how did it make you feel then when you went to see him and he just left after ten minutes? Yeah, it was
2: it was only after that I realised I was like, that ah, fucking easy. like could have could have done something. You know what I mean? Could have done something to, like to remember it. All I remember is him pulling up in the car park, jumping into his car, he gave me a little hug, talked to him for a couple of minutes, got a bag of weed on him, and then he was like, right, see you later. I was like, yeah, you yeah, right, see you later. Yeah. And, driving over, he to see and he I do over even we had to say, and just that was it. But it was with my mates as well at the time, so I was saying he was thinking, oh, I'll just let him go back to his mates, you know what
1: I but did he follow back up? A
2: few phone calls and that, that was it. Okay. A few phone calls, that was it really. And had, really. you
1: had reached out to him to meet you that day, had you? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I just rang him and say, oh, I'm, on a, I'm on a boat, me and, me and my mates were well, we saying, Oh yeah, we go over and say, that we go over and I was like, Yeah, yeah I'm one night you got up. Drinking and all, yeah. And <laughs> we just said, fuck it, we go over to him. Like, yeah, yeah. It's all a great idea at the times, you know what I mean? And then before we knew it, we were on a boat to Scotland. Because we, we drove to the port, and we were after missing that boat. So he says, fuck it. We leave, we do it another time. We're like, "Nah, no, no, come on, we get the boat up, in Scot- up, up the north to Scotland. I said, like, yeah, fuck it. So we drove up there, got the boat to Scotland, drove from Scotland all the way down to London. Stayed there for a night, met me there. And then uh, just buzzed around London for a couple of days and then came back. OK. It was a good buzz, like, it was a good experience. I'm glad I met not that way yeah because if I didn't I'd be thinking oh I wonder what he's like romanticising he like. yeah wonder what he looks like under this and all I? do
1: you look like him
2: yeah look like him yeah yeah I do
1: but it was obviously a big enough deal for you um, you know if it, this is a conversation you're having with your mates and your mates know you want to see him eventually yeah, yeah, yeah. and yet it might have been like you might have made a bit of an adventure out of yeah, it yeah, yeah. but it was obviously something you really wanted
2: yeah it was it was something because like you got, you got misdiagnosed with cancer and that's when Bima got a message of his sister saying I was misdiagnosed, he might not have long left. And uh, I don't know, we got my me, me Ma texted saying, Did you hear about that? Dad? And I was thinking, no way he's after doing. And uh, she was, Oh no, he has cancer over. everything. I was like, Alright, oh, yeah. And then Bima was like, he's probably go over and see him. Because she she kept saying, Oh, well, you have to go to the funeral, we have to go to the funeral, I was thinking, He's still fucking alive, like, go over and see him before he fucking dies, like, it's you know that way. And then uh but she, that was when I was like I had no intentions of really going over I was thinking he should make the effort and come over here to know that way but then I just I said fuck it I'll go over and see him yeah
1: does he know you're in here
2: I told him I was getting locked up but I haven't talked to him since so don't know probably does
1: yeah fuck him (laughs) 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 yeah I'm I'm still stuck on the bit where he gives you weed so like did you tell him you were looking for weed (laughs) (laughs)
4: like how did this happen like
2: nah of course yeah no Obviously talking on the phone. He says, oh, what's the story, bitch? And I said, ah, oh, fuck, I'll just wait and I'll bleed. waiting to get locked up. He says, why are you getting locked up? I says, oh, "I was caught with weed and all yours. Oh, yeah, definitely my son and all. I was like, why, were you locked up? was like, are you serious? Is that, a, is that a, like, a trick question? I was like, no way. He goes, yeah, of course, so I was locked up. I was like, all right, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we just got talking about it. I think that's what we had in common. Fucking weird, you know what I mean?
4: So I wrote this to my son, to my beautiful son. Yeah, I wrote this for you, my one and only. Colours, poems, drawings too, I find is the best way to get through to you. As I wake up in the morning and put my clothes on, I look pictures, I look at pictures of you and play your song. As the days go by so slowly, nobody sees me sad or lonely. I look back at the choice of man and, admit, and I admit it now I'm to blame. So every day's a struggle because I went and got myself in trouble. Now I'm paying the ultimate price. I had to leave your son, I had no choice. In order for us to have a good life, I had to go to prison to make things right. I'm away from your son nearly two years. Watching you grow up, laughter, joy, but mostly tears. I remember every time I would change your nappy, you would shy piss scream, but it made me happy. Every night I pray for you, hoping one day my dreams come true. I'm a lion and you're my cub, one day you'll know what it's like to love. The bond we have can never be broken, unless I'm taken from you, so I've given up smoking. I've given up on all my bad habits, drink, gambling, coke and tablets. I know, son, I shouldn't be so open, but I never want to lie, so a trust is never broken. I know I haven't got it, but I will soon, anything you want name it the sun stars or moon nothing is impossible when it comes to family i promise when i come home we will live life happily for the seasons we missed and the time we lost sun rain snow even frost hearing your voice puts my mind at ease asking mommy i'm hard to please this sentence has been a really tough ride but i look at your pictures with tears and pride very happy but very sad I know you'll need me like i needed my dad we separated when you were just six months son but very soon we'll be back as one me and mommy love you so much one thing i will enjoy is our reunited touch so I'm going to stop writing and leave it there, son. Just remember, this was a tough fight that your daddy won. And then I, I drew a hand and I said, "Take my hand. I'll guide you the way. I know you're scared, but I'll be okay. Nobody will ever hurt you, you and my son. Whoever does, be we sure we'll run."
1: That's so beautiful. Yeah. No, seriously. I know. I know it's hard for you to speak the words out, like especially if they've been somewhere inside your head or your body for so long, and you're. It's not- hard to
4: explain to someone without. Like giving them a proper look into my life, you know. So. Exactly.
1: So it's 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 exposing.
4: Yeah. Like people probably hear that and say, like, what's he on about? Like, well, it means a lot to me because I've been through everything that I've wrote there. Like, it's all the truth.
1: But silently, all the people that are thinking that are also wishing. I wish I could share my feelings.
4: You know. Yeah.
1: Everybody wants the ability to share their feelings, but they're 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 afraid.
4: Yeah. You know? It's just good though. I was able to put it into words. Well, know?
1: I'm I'm I absolutely feel very honoured that yeah you put them into words and actually sat here and spoke them to me
4: yeah, it makes me feel good and that to be honest with you no really it's, do. it's a tough time being in here with COVID-19 and all and yeah. trying to get visits so I haven't had my son since exactly. he's six months like since yeah. before he came in here and I was bad with addictions and all and and then coming in here and getting better and all, nobody's seeing you. They're only seeing it in a video call. In a video call, and I don't want my family coming all the way up with screens, mm. and you don't get to hold your kid. It's very, it's very hard, like you know. It is very I don't, hard. I got to see my kid twice on physical visits since I'm in. I'm in two years. Like I'm in two years this month. I'm in two years already, actually.
1: Too often, we don't actually think of the fact that on even a very basic level, a family is missing, not only a loved one with the emotional support, but also the financial support. So, you know, we talk about child poverty in Ireland and we talk about all these different issues for children. But actually, when you go into the prison system, you're also removing even an income from a family that might be very much in need. And the general theme that comes up throughout the podcast is that a lot of people have come from impoverished situations. So you're obviously adding to the the poverty of a family when a man is locked up. When we were sitting there, actually, what was really lovely was there was this absolute ball of energy that came into the room and you'll get to hear all his poems and his rhymes. And he just, from the very moment I met him, he was very personable. And even though his situation has been tough, it has been unfair, he himself is the child of a, of a mother that struggled uh, with heroin addiction. And he has experienced prison since a very young age. But what I loved about one of the poems that he did was it was kind of like a, like an appreciation poem for all the women and the mothers that look after their children or their partners while they're in prison and I just thought it was really lovely because it was a poem to all of them but what struck me most was the absence of that in his life because he is from the UK so I would imagine his own experience is somewhat isolated but for him to paint such a a, a lovely picture of the role that other people play in the people that he cares about within the prison system I actually I just think it's really lovely
0: I have another one before we go, if you yeah. don't mind. I, yeah, I'd I, love to. It's, uh, it's for a lot of boys in here have partners and girlfriends and, and stuff that um always there for them and stuff, even though they're in prison. And uh, I just wanted, this is like a more like a poem, like a letter.
1: I, I like that because like it, that? it comes it, up as a theme throughout all the conversations I've had is that you know how dedicated daughters are, wives are, mothers are, yeah, are. Exactly. The level of commitment that women mm. give to their loved ones yeah. that are in prison is is quite something. It's a
0: hundred percent, and there's um, that's all you need. Being being in prison, you need a family. Speaking, of, I've lost so many of my family through drugs, and I've seen the importance of family. I've looked around me and seen boys with i I've seen girlfriends stick by them, their kids coming up and visits and. It's helped me go, keep going because that's what I want out of life. Right now I have no one because of the drugs and, and the life I've led. And I see see the boys with the support and that and it really helps them and gets them through. And um, this was just the song I wrote to show my appreciation and that, yeah. So it's just like, it's just it's like a letter. So I'll just go with it, yeah. Yo, listen baby girl, you're the one that I love. When I copped the charge, you stashed the glove. Even an angel couldn't come above. You was even there when I fell out with my bruv You was even there when I come up with the plan You're more than wifey, you're part of the gang You don't care, cause you know who I am You was even there when I was locked in the can Ah oh man, you done the damage every week Got me cabbaged on the V Now we'll manage when I'm free Yeah it's gonna be married you and me Usually I don't feel this way But I love you girl, what more can I say can't wait for that day, after May, when I'm released and we go our own way. We can get out of here, we can escape, cause I know you're my IPS queen, you're never late. You're always there, when I needed you, and, and, and me and you, and my son too. I know you'll be there when I get out too, I love you girl, I love you boo. And that was just basically a little poem to say, like, like in a letter or something that you could send out to your missus or, and let her know.
1: Do the lads in here ever get you to write stuff?
0: for Oh, always. To send all on? the time. Always. I hope I'm, they
1: don't
0: I'm take bombarded. credit for it. Do they? <laughs> nah, no, no, I don't mind it. They do. I don't mind it. They do. You know, that's that's where that's the way it goes. But you know, you can't deny it when you hear a stretch masterpiece. You know, you know it's me anyway. So you can't you can't copyright right, i right, I'm one of a kind.
1: Conversations on the Margins is a limited series podcast produced by me, Lynn Rowan, and the team at Alfonso Films in partnership with Goaloud and funded by the Rowan Trust with the support of the IPS and Governor Eddie Mullins. Sound on location was recorded by Dave Fannin and Rob Moore. We're editing and sound design by Kieran O'Connor. The music used in this series is written and performed by students in the Educational Centre in Wefield Prison. I would also like to thank the principal and teachers in the Education Centre of We Feel Prison for facilitating this podcast and for all your support. Finally, and most importantly, I would like to thank each and every one of the men who sat down with me, opened up and had a very real conversation. I know it wasn't easy, but I'm very grateful. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a five star review. It'll help more people find the podcast. You'll find conversations on the margins forced every Tuesday on the Go Loud app and all major podcast platforms, too.